0: Moncrief. on Talk. Time for Tell Me Why with Graham Finlay. If you have a question for Graham, you can send it in, as ever, to afternoon at newstalk.com. Today's question is, why do magicians use magic wands? And Graham joins us now on Talk Afternoon, Graham. Good afternoon, Sean. Now, before we go into the history of it, in the straightforward, if, if someone's a wizard or, 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 or a witch, do you use, is the wand like a weapon? Uh, can, if anyone has a wand, can they do magic, or or is it more like a prop?
1: Well, the question is who you're talking to. So, yeah, the wand is is a really, really interesting thing, which we associate with wizards and witches, especially wizards. But um, it's really kind of a recent invention from the 19th century, which has become both orthodox for people who actually claim to be witches and wizards um, and for magicians who use it for their stage shows. And and if you talk to the actual witches, they say that, you know, the magic is in the wizard or the witch, you know, it's the wand doesn't have power on its own. And, and they're quite resentful of the Harry Potter version where all these wands are absolutely necessary. Um, and so I looked at a, a bunch of sort of the actual witch websites, some of which are very hard to, to, to copy from uh, in spooky ways. But, mm. uh, you know, so they're not just, um, they're digital wizards as well, but... <laughs> They, um, they, you know, they stress that the, the wand is really good for focusing the energy, uh, and because people are focusing all that power through the wand, it can seem as if the wand is doing things, right? As, but it's really the wizard. But the wizard, the handy thing for the wizard is, uh, because if you have all these magical powers, um, all the things you might think um, about doing could come to pass, and that could be really awkward and messy. Uh, so, so the wand is a really good way of keeping that from happening. So when you don't have your wand, it's less likely that demons will appear right? right? or things will catch fire or things like that. Okay. Um, so, so you only do the magic when you pick up the wand. It's like a magic funnel. Yeah, it's like a magic funnel, but it's also, it also keeps your mind you know, um, on, on other tasks. But it keeps your mind on the magic when you're doing magic.
0: And and for the for the witching community, if that's the proper term, it, it, a wand for them is just like a piece of owl stick that they get someplace, or is it like the kind of stage performer version of a,
1: a wand? Well, they they, they they don't tend to use the sort of black uh, rod with a with a white tip, which is maybe made out of plastic uh, for reasons of their own, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's not as natural as, as a stick. And and they trace, and they're they're right about this that the use of of wooden wands in particular, um, back to a number of, of civilizations, especially the Celts uh, you know, were big on sticks, um, as we probably all know. But, mm. um, and then the use of rods uh, of various kinds, but also some kind of way of focusing the energy. Sometimes they trace it back to semicircular ivory um, wands, in quotation marks, because they're not wand-shaped at all, uh, in, in ancient Egypt. In fact, a lot of this is thought to go back to ancient Egypt, but this is because of the Western appropriation of a whole lot of ancient traditions, which involved, you know, some kinds of sticks. Um, so I'll get to the Celts in a second. But, you know, way back in the day, there was Zoroaster, and I, you and I have bonded over our mutual love of Zoroastrianism uh, many times. Mm. But they used to use a, a, a bundle of sticks, which is a bit more like the fasces, about which we've also discussed you know, at some point. But they were using it as part of their religious rituals and sometimes as a way of sort of indicating various things. And and this morphed into the Persian um, rituals, which uh, the Greeks called Magoi, right? And so they eventually became the Magi and, and what Ah. they did became the Mad magic, you know? And, um, and so this seemed extremely exotic to the Greeks. And, and so they associated all these Persian groups with magic, uh, including rods and wands, and the Greeks had a great belief in magic, um, um, as did their inheritors, the early Christians. If you look at the New Testament and the Bible, generally, there are all these wizards and magicians doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and not just Jesus, you know, um, in the Bible. And in fact, sometimes Jesus has a sort of showdown with the wizards and outwizards them. Um, the wands um, appear mostly as rods or scepters in Greek mythology. Um, Hermes, is the famous, uh, you know, Hermes is the famous one messenger of the gods, and he has the caduceus, which is the symbol for medicine still, which is a rod with two snakes. In the Celtic tradition, this tends to be taken from certain magical trees, and it tends to be you know, just a bare stick, maybe with the bark peeled off. Um, and that, that was used, it seems, a lot by the mm. Druids, um, who are you know, frequently seen as holding rods or as as part of their office and being connected to the trees and tree-based magic, which was a genuine feature of, of Druidic practice, which a lot of our modern witches have taken up.
0: Uh, and w- would they have favoured particular sorts of, of trees for oh,
1: their rods? Yes, very much. You've got to pick your, 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 your wood for the purpose. So, you know, especially in Ireland, where, where wands are all over Irish, you know, ancient stories and, 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 and mythology, um, you know, people are always turning people into various things with wands. You know, the hazel and the rowan were seen as particularly magical trees, but sometimes also the yew and the ash. Um, but the hazel and the rowan were seen as fairy trees, and uh, they were ones you, you could get the wood from only at maybe particular times, um, and, and you had, didn't want to anger the tree spirits. This is, what, you know, this is something which I think probably both people who are practicing witches and people who are just interested in you know, Irish mythology can both agree on. And, and so, yeah, the, the hazel is especially a, a good source of wands.
0: Okay, part of our rich stick heritage, uh, and so so d- 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 uh, did it ebb and flow in terms of its popularity. The wand, or the, these various iterations of the wand.
1: Absolutely, it goes away basically until the Middle Ages, when there was a real resurrection of interest in magic, and there are all these lovely magical grimoires from the 13th to the to the 15th end of the 15th century, early 16th century, uh, of people who just really wanted to do magic. Meanwhile, similar sort of books were. Being published by people like uh, various kings, like King James the the first, who you know wanted to hunt witches, so it was kind of. And then there was a third set of books of people debunking witchcraft as as really just sort of sleight of hand and tricks. So there's this sort of three cornered fight between people who really wanted to be witches, people who really wanted to burn witches, and people who thought maybe burning witches was a bit of an overreaction. So it was um, it was. But you got lots and lots of detail about how. Um, to use wands, and wands don't figure as much, but they figure a bit in some of these early grimoires, but then they're really taken up in, in a book called The Key of Solomon, which becomes incredibly influential, so influential that the great occultist of the 19th century, um, Eliphaz Levi, um, wrote a fake you know, Hebrew excerpt from the, the Key of Solomon, which really focused on wands as the way by which you could engage in occult powers, and he influenced all these people, who started setting up magical societies because they decided that Freemasonry or Rosicrucianism was insufficiently exotic. And they put on lots and lots of these pseudo-Eastern, pseudo-Egyptian robes. Um, and, you know, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn was a real sort of social uh, status, secret club, which magical club, which a lot of people were in, including William Butler Yeats and Maude mm. Gaughan. So, you know, and this became, this is where we get our contemporary occult notion of wands uh, which eventually translated over into stage magic through, through its invention about the same time, in the middle of the 19th century, where people moved from county fairs into big theatres where they'd have very successful and lucrative magical shows.
0: Yeah, Did, didn't the Enlightenment, though, put any sort of a halt to that gallop?
1: Yeah, well, I think what you got, I mean, so the Enlightenment people, yeah, were, were not really believers in witches, and this is the kind of thing which is frequently mocked by people like Voltaire. But there was a reaction to the Enlightenment, where, you know, which is, explains over a lot of the things which happens in the 19th century, which is you know, people getting sick of all this rationality um, and feeling that there are forces and, and um, things we could discover that, that are, are bigger than your reason can, can comprehend. And, and so also it's a lot more fun to dress up in robes than to design perfectly clean and efficient sort of rational clothes like the Enlightenment would have you do. So, so again, you know, people really enjoyed the rituals of all this. And, again, it has this in common with Freemasonry and things like that. So, yeah, the Enlightenment, you know, this is part of the reaction to the Enlightenment in many ways. And But it had to present itself as the rediscovery of ancient lore because they didn't want to tell you that they just made it up.
0: Right, indeed not. And, and the Nazis loved all this kind of stuff.
1: Oh, yeah, the Nazis were really into this kind of stuff. I mean, talk about, like, an, an, a reaction, right, to the Enlightenment um, and universalism. And, uh, you know, a cosmopolitanism, I mean, Nazism and, and extreme cultural nationalism, first of all, like occultism, involves making a lot of stuff up, right? But also, you know, they, this was, they were right in there with all of these um, magical properties. And, and they seem to, in many cases, have actually believed it. And they were sort of always on their quest for a certain magical artifacts and things like that, which explains Writers of the Lost Ark. It's not completely implausible. Um, now, the biggest thing on the wand front, which, um, which really gave us uh, on our way to, to sort of the modern wand, uh, which still isn't the magic, you know, stage magic wand, is um, the weight tarot deck, which many people have seen. It's probably the most famous tarot deck of, of you know, fortune telling cards that, that you'll have seen. Um, and it had a whole suit of cards um, which were featuring the suit of wands. And, and this was seen as a sort of more of a staff with green leaves growing off of it, which is a sort of hearkening back to both the druidical uh, process, but also to this fake excerpt from a medieval grimoire, which Alephus Levi bequeathed to the, the hermetic order of the Golden Dawn and their, their, their special wands. So, so it was a bit of the pagan influence, um, but it, it really spread the picture of the wand. But these are pretty big wands, mm. whereas, you know, they're not very portable um, and again, if you see the Lord of the Rings, you know, that has done, there they have staffs, they don't you know staves, they don't have wands, they have big staffs. Um, and that's because uh, J.R.R. Tolkien was much more old school when it came to things like this than, than his modern inheritors.
0: Yeah, so, the, so your modern, uh, your stage magician uh, and their wand, uh, is it just because it's short because it's handy to carry?
1: It is. And also, it's, it's black with a white tip. Now, there's people who dispute this. But the original sort of nineteenth century stage musician costume, which we're familiar with, top hat, tails, you know, mustache and goatee and things like that, which is based on a real magician in the mid nineteenth century. But it was always black. And so that the white tip really, you know, the black wand might, you know, disappear into the robe if you if that's what you wanted to do. But the white tip really focuses the audience's mind on on the tip of the wand. And that's what you want them to do. Because if you have a wand in your right hand, then it makes perfect sense to you know, pick up coins with your left hand or to put the coin into your left hand as part of setting up a coin disappearing trick, right? Otherwise, it'd be bizarre to just, you know, why are you putting the coin in your left hand if you're right-handed? Well, I had to pick up my wand, right? And then I can, you know, wave the wand around, I can tap on my hand, and all of the focus is going to be on what's going on in, in your, at, at the tip of the wand and not you know, what your right hand is doing or what your left hand is doing. So it's great for misdirection it's great for tapping on objects to show that they're solid. Say you're at the saw you're about to cut someone in half with. Um, you know, it, it's, um, it's terrific for putting a whole routine together where the audience focuses on what you want them to look at. Meanwhile, your hand is pocketing coins and, and making things appear and all kinds of other stuff.
0: So never trust a man if he's waving a wand at you. Graham Finlay, thank you very much.
1: Thanks, John. Moncrief on News Talk.